You are Locked On Redskins, your daily podcast on the Washington Redskins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Locked On Redskins. I'm your host, as always, Zach Hick. I know I started off with some theme music there, so be sure to message me if you actually know what that theme song is there, because I'd be ecstatic if you guys could actually name it. It's one of my favorite theme songs in movie history. But that is a Halloween movie right there, a Halloween movie theme song, because it is the last day of October, and I wanted to celebrate it. I didn't do a podcast last night, because I figured, you know, all of you guys would be out with your family. I was also doing Halloween stuff. So I decided to kind of give you guys a night off from my beautiful voice. So tonight we are going to celebrate a little bit of Halloween with that awesome theme song. So again, if you know what that theme song is, send me a message on Twitter or text or whatever, whatever access you have to me. Send me a message, see if you know this theme song. I'd be excited if you guys actually know it. Last little bit I want to go through before we jump into today's podcast is we are moving the show time back a little bit. I know I've kind of been all over the place a little bit in my shows. It's been like 3 p.m. to like 5 p.m. most days. We are going to have a set time now. I decided that I'm going to do a set time at midnight every single night throughout the week. So Monday through Friday at midnight, I will be dropping a podcast every single day of the week. Look for a social media mention for me around 10 a.m. every single morning. But the podcast will be up on Megaphone at midnight every night of the week. So if you guys are up at that time, I know some nights I am not up at that time because I work early in the morning. But if you guys are up at that time, check it out at midnight. If not, I will be doing a social media uh, mention for it at 10 a.m. every single morning as well. So be sure to check out for those new times right there, guys. But to kind of get out of that, guys, we are going to jump into our Wednesday mailbag. And I'm joined today by a special guest, Justin Nicely of Skin Scout Podcast. How's it going, Justin? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. A special shout out to your brother, too. He follows me on Instagram at Skin Scout, and he got us hooked up together. So thanks to him for hooking us up and getting me on this podcast. Yeah, man. Give a big shout out to my little brother. He's doing a lot of work, actually, on Instagram. Uh, I had no clue how many followers I had on there until he, he let me know the other day. So big shout out to my little brother doing uh, big things on Instagram, because I really don't know how that, that site works over there, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, to jump into our mailbag, we're going to jump right into it here. We had Nathan Britton at... Nathan Britton underscore, he asked, with the Redskins not making a move at the deadline, what is your projection on how they would get this passing game going and where it should be by the end of the year? That's a pretty good question, and I I get it a lot recently too. It'll be hard to get the passing game involved, especially with the banged-up offensive line. Like, they have the third left tackle, TJ Clemmings, on the injury report, and they also have, like, third stringers at guard and center right now. It's really tough. For Kirk Cousins to be able to even have the, enough time to throw down the field. And that's why you saw them throw into Crowder a lot against the Cowboys. I think they're going to start getting Crowder involved finally, especially with the underneath routes in the screen game. Eventually, I think they'll start getting targets to Josh Doxson downfield. I think the short passes to Crowder will open that up. And I think Pryor will come back by the end of the year and have a little bit bigger role than he's having right now. Yeah, I do I do see the passing game kind of stepping up, but it is going to be a big problem with the offensive line and all the injuries, especially on the offensive line. But yeah, like you said, they are going to get Crowder involved more because Jordan Reed is hurt. Vernon Davis is actually more of a vertical threat at tight end. And the Redskins this year have just not been throwing the ball outside the hashes. They've been throwing it to the middle of the field to Chris Thompson, to Jordan Reed. Now, hopefully to Jameson Crowder, if he's healthy. He's also on the injury report this week. I, I do think this this passing attack is going to 
you know, take a step up, but it all depends on offensive line play because offensive line is, is battered right now. Yeah, and Jordan Reed being out, usually Jameson Crowder takes over a little bit of Jordan Reed's role, so I think he'll get an even bigger workload pretty soon. Now, pretty much every other question after this that I got from you viewers were basically all draft questions, so it's kind of telling me where you guys are all at when it comes to this team this year, which is fine. I, I get it. We're a really injured team, three and four. I completely understand the thoughts. So to kind of jump into, I guess, some draft questions, we're going to jump into the one that we get every single week by my favorite guy who asks questions every single week, Burgundy and Gold, at Jake underscore Ashworth. He asks, if we let Kirk Cousins walk, do we take a quarterback in the first round or do we wait until the later rounds? Where would you go with this, Justin? I'm actually going to say they're going to stick with Colt McCoy for at least a year. I know someone on Twitter just said a few days ago that not only was Jay Gruden going to move on from RG3 in 2015, he was going to move on from Kirk Cousins and start Colt McCoy at the beginning of that season. And so that just shows how much faith Gruden has in McCoy. And I don't think they're going to be really that desperate to – pick a quarterback in the first round unless like one falls down to them because I don't think they're going to be picking inside the top 15 so they would probably be getting a mid-level quarterback if they waited later in the first round so I could see them going with Colt McCoy possibly targeting someone like Alex Smith and they could draft someone in the first round I don't know if Mason Rudolph is really a first round pick yet I could see them, if he falls later in the draft, I could see them picking him. I just don't see them picking a first-round quarterback this year. It's it's too early. Yeah, for sure. There's there's way too many needs on this team right now to go quarterback in the first round, in my opinion. You know, they, they have a need at running back for sure. Their running backs are not talented enough to be successful in the NFL. They still need a nose tackle on defense. Maybe a linebacker, too, if Zach Brown leaves. Defensive backs, you could always use more of them. So there are a lot of needs on this Redskins team. Oh, and also another receiver, too, because these two guys are not getting it done. So there are definitely a lot of needs on this team, even though it is a good team, to where I don't think they need to go quarterback in the first round. Like you said, Colt McCoy is not a terrible option if they want to go into next year, but if Kirk leaves, again, there's not going to be a great option. There's going to be, you know, Colt McCoy, Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater. They're all average players, and you can kind of win with them if you have a right team around them. But kind of like you said, they, there's, they're not going to be picking high enough to where they're going to get a difference maker at quarterback. And they're going to have to go with maybe a guy in the second or third round. Maybe like an Austin Allen type out of Arkansas. Mason Rudolph, like you said, he, he'll probably be available in like the third or fourth round. So those are kind of guys that the Redskins might look at there. Another kind of draft question we got here was from David Pravia, who was asking about the quarterback Barrett from Ohio State. What's your take on him going into this next draft? I actually prepared for this question for Derek Barnett. I thought it was an Eagles question for some reason. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm not really a big fan of JT Barrett from Ohio State. He's inaccurate a lot. He's really inconsistent. He's a little bit of an uh, injury-prone quarterback. I don't want to give, like, a full take on him because I haven't watched him a ton. From what I've seen of him, I I don't really love him. Yeah, I'm with you. As you guys know, I host uh, Breaking the Draft podcast with John Valencia over on Breaking Football. I've, I've watched enough of Barrett to where I'm saying I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. He had one good game against, what, Penn State this past week? Was it Penn State? I think he played against? Yeah, yeah. yeah they beat him. Yeah, so one game against Penn State where he looked outstanding. I'm not, I mean, it's a good game. It was a great game, but I still don't think he's really draftable as a quarterback at this point. Now, he's a great athlete, and he could maybe switch positions, but I really don't see him as a quarterback. He's just way too inaccurate, way too slow processing the field. 
And it's just simply not a guy I want on the Redskins. I want a guy who's a pocket player who can distribute the ball to a guy like Chris Thompson. And Barrett is not that whatsoever. So count me out on on anything JT Barrett for this, this Redskins team. I'm with you. So our next question was from at Skins Realm. He asked, is this a deep 2018 wide receiver class? And this was kind of came from because there was a big Redskins Twitter account that said the 2018 receiver class sucked, and I kind of got all my draft guys on him saying that it is actually a really good wide receiver class. But what's your take on him, Justin? Yeah, I think it's a good class. I wouldn't say it's like a top-tier class like compared to the last few years. Like I don't really have that one person I'm in love with yet. Uh, like the, I really, really like Mike Williams from Clemson. I, I like Corey Davis and a few other receivers in that class, but so far I haven't really fell in love with anyone yet, but it is a really, really deep and good class. I mean, you have Christian Kirk, St. Brown from Notre Dame, Notre Dame yep. Ridley, Calvin Ridley from Alabama, yes. Cortland Sutton, yep. Sam, Simi Cobbs, Dante Pettis, mm-hmm. Deion Kane. I mean, you, it's a really deep class. I just wouldn't say there's that clear-cut, oh, this guy is the best one in the class right now. Yeah, I think the one guy we would be talking about if he wasn't a complete idiot off the field would be Florida's receiver, Antonio Callaway. I think he yeah. is he is super special. I think he's better than Davis and Williams, in my opinion. But yeah, last year's class had two top-tier studs, and they went really high in the draft. But this year is so deep with consistent, solid players. Just to throw a couple other names out there that Justin didn't mention, Cole Thompson out of Toledo, Cedric Wilson out of Boise State, Anthony Miller out of Memphis, uh, Richie James out of Middle Tennessee State. Those guys are all going to be found like the middle-round guys because they are small school type, but they are solid players. So this draft, I think, is super deep. I don't know why anyone would say it's not a good draft class. It's Again, it's not top-tiered. You're not going to get that, that first-round guy in the top 10 who's going to come in like an A.J. Green. But it is a very deep class, and that's good for the Redskins because they could probably take one, maybe two, in the middle rounds this year. Not trying to like back up that Twitter account, but I feel like a lot of people are going to say it sucks just because there's not that clear-cut number one wide receiver right now. And I think that will kind of get in the way. But like you said, there's like a lot of small school wide receivers too. I know a lot of people are comparing uh, Richie James to John Ross yeah. he has that kind of yeah. speed and agility that Ross had at Washington. Yeah, the small school guys are getting a little uh, too much hype from draft Twitter apparently at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Miller being compared to Antonio Brown is kind of laughable at this point. I really like Anthony Miller, but the Antonio Brown comparisons are hilarious. Now, the next question I got here was kind of a funny one. I just want to throw in here because it, it kind of made me laugh. So at Ryan underscore Kieran, follow him on, I think it's the Setting the Edge podcast. So yeah, go go find him on Setting the Edge podcast. He does a really great job over there. He asked, will Josh Doxson score a million or a billion fantasy points this week? Please give me a shout out because this is important. <laughs> so a million points or a billion points this week? And, you know, at Seattle, at Seattle. At Seattle, I think he'll get... I think he can get to a million. I think he can do it. <laughs> yeah, million, million. I think is feasible this week. You know, I, I feel really confident with third and fourth string offensive linemen going against their defensive line at Seattle, along with that crowd. Yeah. And then, yeah, Josh Doxson, I mean, he's, he's done it before. We've seen him get a million fantasy points. So, obviously, he can get up to a million this week. Easy. I mean, if Sheldon Richardson isn't worth a fourth-round pick to the Redskins, then I think Chase Rulier, Tyler Cat. Catalina and Morgan Moses can handle him over there. So I think Kirk Cousins will be fine. He'll be able to throw it to Doxon with a breeze. 
Yeah, don't and also remember Eric Quanjo, the guy we cut in the offseason, he might be starting. And I think Catalina's gonna be our left tackle this week too. That's how injured the Redskins oh. are. So uh yeah. yeah, good luck, Kirk Cousins. He hopefully he got an insurance policy going into this game. But <laughs> we will talk about that later this week and maybe a little bit later in this podcast too. The last question I got from the viewers for this podcast was about Fish Smithson. I got like six of you guys asking me, just talk about Fish. Now, you guys know this is a podcast that supports Fish Smithson and everything he does. So I can go on for days about Fish Smithson. Justin, do you have anything that you want to say about Fish before I kind of jump in? Not that much. I haven't. I, I actually haven't really seen too much of him, but I'm excited to see what he can bring to the Redskins. I know he has a lot of potential, and a lot of people are excited about him. So I'm excited too, but I think he's more of a project player for right now. I'm a little bit worried if he had to step into the starting lineup today. Yeah, unfortunately the Redskins are really battered at safety, but it doesn't look like he is on the active roster yet. The dream of Fish being on the active roster has not been fulfilled. He is still on the practice squad. The dream, again, is for him to get on the roster and also to have him on this podcast one day. But I love Fish. I think he's a lot like Joshua Holsey, but as a safety, he's not the biggest guy, not the most athletic guy, but he is smart, he knows football, and he's going to be a good player. I think he can be a good special teamer. Honestly, I think he brings a lot to this team if they were to sign him. I just don't think he'd be a great starter at the moment. But I like Fish. I, I really want him on this team. I, he's a good guy to have in the locker room, too. So hopefully he gets called up someday soon with the 21 guys we have on injury report. Eventually, when some of them go on IR, Fish will get his chance, and I will be a super happy fan. I like that Joshua Holsley and Fish missing comparison. I like that. Yeah, they, they're very similar players. Josh Holsey was actually a big crush of mine going into the draft last year. Like, nothing about him stands out. He had two ACL injuries, like 5'9", but when you see him go against, like, Mike Williams last year against Clemson, he was in yeah. his face, pushing him around. It was it was awesome to watch. Yeah, I love watching that tape. I, I actually didn't watch him until after the Redskins drafted him, but, yeah, I, I really like that pick. Yeah, Holsey and Fish, I really like the Redskins bringing those guys in. Still to come on Locked on Redskins, guys. Me and Justin here are going to go over some of my questions that I have for him. All right, guys, so now we are going to go rapid fire here with my questions for Justin. Again, I wanted you guys to ask more questions, but unfortunately, I understand how it goes. Halloween was up. You guys were all celebrating, so I guess I will be the one who asks all the questions. My first question for you, Justin, is Kirk Cousins. Uh, What's your opinion on him, and do you think he stays next year? I actually really like Kirk Cousins. I was one of the few to support him or support Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan drafting him in the 2012 draft. I absolutely loved that pick. I was not that high on RG3. I did not like the trade to go up and get him. I love picking Kirk Cousins in the fourth round, and I've been supporting him ever since. As far as him re-signing in the offseason or at least staying for 2018, I think they're going to go with the transition tag. It's only tw- it's $28 million instead of the 30, $34 million that the franchise tag would be. And with the transition tag, they don't have the 49ers anymore in contention for Kirk Cousins. So I don't think anyone really values Kirk Cousins as much as Kyle Shanahan does. And so I don't think anyone's going to really give him – a humongous contract that the Redskins wouldn't match. So I think it's a really good play to play the the transition tag and then try to match a deal that someone would offer to Cousins. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I really like it too. You said you're a big Kirk Cousins fan, so you are always welcome on this podcast now because this is a, a big Kirk Cousins supporting podcast here. So I like it. I like it. Next question here is about the running backs. Now, the running backs have not got it going this year. Is it simply a lack of skill position or is it play calling, offensive line, or a combination of, of all? I think it's a combination of all. I mean, people forget that Rob Kelly missed a few games with injury and they kind of had to throw Samaj P. Ryan into that starting role. And he's obviously not ready for that. He's a little bit more of a project player. I liked him coming out of college. For some reason, I had this weird sense that he would be a Redskin. I like I even predicted <laughs> him in my predictions before the draft even started. Now that Rob Kelly's back, I think the running game has gotten a little bit better. But again, with the offensive line and their injuries, that's still been a little bit of a struggle course Jay Gruden gets a little bit of a, a little bit of a way away from the running game so that can always hinder it a little bit but I still think they need to add a dynamic running back who has everything who can be three down player and do anything he's asked and that's something the Redskins have lacked since Clinton Portis pretty much so I think they definitely need to upgrade the position still but that's not dissing on Thompson P. Ryan or Kelly because I've been a big Kelly fan too since they signed him in the as an undrafted free agent. I've always been a supporter of him. A lot of people liked Mac Brown over him, but I just don't think Kelly is a three down player in the NFL, but he's definitely a good role player slash backup. Yep, completely agree with everything you said there. And actually I was one of those Mac Brown guys. I remember the preseason last year. I was saying how Mac Brown looked way better than Rob Kelly and Kelly kind of proved me wrong a little bit into last year and you know, when he's healthy, he's a good player. So they do have some decent players, but they definitely need to get that dynamic guy there. So receiver core now. Where do you think the pro? Do you think the problem is the receiving core here, or it's Kirk Cousins' chemistry with them, or what do you think the problem is? Why why is Cousins not clicking with this these wide receiver group this year? I don't see why it would be a chemistry standpoint necessarily, because I mean, all throughout training camp, they did switch receivers a lot more this year than I noticed in drills, like. In 2015, 2016, through training camp, Cousins would be throwing to Garcon, Jackson, and Reed a lot. This year, I saw him throwing to Brian Quick, Josh Doxson, Ryan Grant, Maurice Harris. I mean, he's throwing to every receiver on the roster. So I think it was a little bit bit more of an open battle in training camp for some of those receiver spots than we really thought. And that could have hindered it a little bit. But, I mean, I did see Doxon working a lot with the first team and at least with Kirk Cousins. So, I mean, Cousins will definitely have to get used to not having Garcon and Jackson there. I think it's just more so inexperience with the wide receiver. Josh Doxon, this is technically his rookie year. He didn't really play at all last year. And he's he's not necessarily a project player, but he has some things that he needs to clean up, like route running and stuff like that. Then you have Terrell Pryor, and this is his second year as a wide receiver, and the Redskins front office knew he was still a big project and raw wide receiver, and so far it hasn't really worked out. So I wouldn't say it's like a huge issue. I think they can overcome it, but right now it, it is a little bit of a problem. Yeah, for sure, for sure. They definitely need to get that figured out before the end of this year, and especially into going into next year with or without Kirk. Zach Brown, new free agent signing for the Redskins this year, is playing really well on a, per, a relatively small deal. 
and he's about to hit free agency again after this year. I think he is second in the NFL in tackles, I believe, for this Redskins team. What would you do with Zach Brown and his contract after the season? I would definitely resign him. I wouldn't resign him to become the top paid linebacker in the NFL because uh, I think that's around like $12 million. I think Luke Keekley's being paid somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And so that's a little much for me just because Brown isn't necessarily the best linebacker in pass coverage. He's more of a sideline to sideline run stuffer, kind of over the middle type stuff, but he has the speed to stay with the, with wide receivers and running backs in the passing game to make up for his mistakes in the pass coverage, but he's not really one of those pass coverage linebackers and he's more of a get it, stop, stopping the run and getting a ton of tackles. And that's what the Redskins need. They need a fast linebacker. And I think Brown is a perfect match and then get him a pass cover pass coverage linebacker right next to him and the Redskins would be solid. Yeah, I 100% agree with everything you just said there. Now, I wouldn't pay him top dollar because, I again, he does make a lot of mistakes in the passing game especially, and they've actually shown a lot in the last couple weeks. But he is a really good run stuffer, and I want him on this team. So almost whatever it takes to get him back. Now, this cornerback group has shown that they are actually pretty deep this year. Uh, Dunbar's played really well when he stepped in. Norman is playing at an elite level. Breland's playing some of the best football of his career. And rookie Fabian Moreau is also played sparingly, but he actually hasn't been too poor when he's played as well. Oh, along with Kendall Fuller having the best year of his short career in the NFL. So with the depth of this cornerback group and how well it has played, what would you do with Rashad Breland and his contract after the year? That's actually a really good question, and it's it, it, it could really go either way because mm-hmm. I love Breland. I really liked him. I really liked that pick. I think the 2014 draft. Mm-hmm. He's played very well. I know a lot of people are still mad about that last season, even though the season, 2016 season, even though this year he's playing very well. And I know a lot of people were doubting him, saying we should cut him after last year. Ever since last year, I I was saying he's going to come back and he's going to have the best year of his career. So far, I think this is the best year of his career. I would like to re-sign him personally. When we picked Fabian Monroe in the third round, I felt like that was the pick to replace Bashad Breeland, especially with how good Quentin Dunbar has been playing. I think he can be a cornerback number two, but if I believe I'm correct, I think he's also a free agent, so yeah, he would be someone that you'd also have to consider. With the Fabian Monroe pick, I think... That makes Bashar Breland a little bit expendable, but do you really? It, I think it's really going to come down to is Bashar Breland going to want to be a cornerback number two because Norman's obviously the number one, and I don't think Breland will want to stay because I think he 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 definitely has the personality type to not like being a number two. He's going to be a, he's going to want to be a number one with anyone else in the league. I don't think it will really depend on what team it is. Yeah, for sure. He is definitely one of those types of guys. He did struggle a lot last year, but again, this year he is playing really well. I think I'm at the point with him where I do think he's a very good corner, but if he wants top cornerback money, which definitely he 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 deserves and he feels like he should deserve, he should go for it. I don't want the Redskins to really pursue that, especially, you know, if I were the GM of this team, I would re-sign Cousins. I just don't have Breland in my plans at that point. And like you said, Moreau, 
was kind of the safety blanket for that. Moreau is this super athletic, big-bodied corner that we found in the third round because of a pec injury he had out of college. I think he is actually the future at corner for this team. So if you let Breedling go because he's asking for top cornerback money, I'm okay with it. If he's not asking for top cornerback money, I'm fine bringing him back too. I do like Breedling quite a bit, but again, I really just don't think he's worth like where Norman's getting paid right now. I completely agree. I would not pay him. I would not be paying two corners, number one corner money right now. So I definitely would roll with Monroe as the as a replacement for Breland or Quentin Dunbar uh, as a little bit cheaper option to Dunbar or to um, Bashar Breland if they let Breland go. Exactly. If you guys haven't done so, just a reminder that you could take a moment to leave a five-star review for our show, Locked on Redskins. So I ask this question of almost everybody when they come on the podcast, and I didn't know you were actually a draft guy until you kind of we started talking a little bit. So I just kind of wanted to see what your opinion was on this. Monte, Monte Nichols- Nicholson. Monte Nicholson. Yep. <laughs> there we go. I, I like it. I'm finally starting to develop a brand here. People are starting to understand Monte Nicholson is my brand. What, what was your opinion on Monte coming to the draft or after the Redskins drafted him even? Athletic, but I didn't understand the pick is how I would put it. Like, as a quick thought, yeah. I I thought he had the athletic ability, but he, he just as Steve said, I think last week he was on. I listened to that one. Just as he said, he I felt like he played soft. He kind of shied away from tackling. I saw him kind of go to the ball a lot and kind of let the guys in front of him tackle him. He never really gang tackled or anything like that, but had the potential to be something. But it was mainly his mindset. I felt. Like, it was that for me. Yeah, definitely. Did you watch his junior tape, or did you watch any of his sophomore tape, too, when you were watching? I mainly watched when I was gathering highlights. Like, I wasn't yeah. watching highlights, obviously. Yeah, I was watching yeah. the full game. Like, I was scouting and looking for highlights at the same time to put mm-hmm. into a video. So, I wasn't watching highlights, but... Yeah, yeah. So, I, I was know. watching the whole, whole games. And I think I watched not all of the games this last year, because I couldn't find all of the games, but... I watched pretty much most of the games from his last year in college. Was that his junior year? Yes, that was his junior year. And the reason I ask mainly is because a lot of people who I found thought he was soft or or didn't gang tackle, which are all big things you bring up. That's the reason why I I would have had him as a top 30 player in the draft if he showed that kind of ability in in his junior year. His junior year, I did see what you were talking about. He did play a little soft at times. But a lot of that, when I kind of did a little research, was his shoulder issue that we are seeing this year as well. He played really soft because of that shoulder issue. He was scared of – I don't want to say scared. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to say scared of getting it hurt again, but he was definitely playing with a shoulder that needed to be surgically repaired, which, again, he I think he does need it to be repaired again this year because we are seeing every single he's game – He's still having problems. Yeah, he's, he's leaving every single game with a shoulder injury. But yeah, the, the main reason why I asked about the junior tape is because when you watch his sophomore tape before his shoulder injury, I mean, he was a force. I mean, if you watch his Alabama, if you ever get a chance, go back and watch his Alabama game where he played against them his sophomore year. He was throwing guys around. I, mean, I think I, there was a, there was a highlight where he picked up our Darius Stewart and just threw him to the ground, and it was like <laughs> it's like my most retweeted thing on Twitter. That's why I always bring it up. But it was it was awesome. Uh, I love I love me some Monte Nicholson. That's kind of where I fell in love because. You know, the height, weight, athleticism, of course, all that's great. But when I saw his sophomore tape and saw him throwing guys around, it was just, it was an easy, easy watch for me. I love him to death. I was, I was seriously screaming, you know, so happy when the Redskins drafted him. I was like, holy crap, we got him. So that's why, that's why I'm building my brand here on this podcast. But I'm glad, 
I'm glad uh, he's proven people wrong and even kind of proven me wrong a little bit too because uh, I'm starting to think I rated him a little low with the way he's playing this year. But yeah, again, Monte Nicholson, I could I could talk a whole show about him, so we're not going <laughs> to continually talk about that, obviously. So to kind of conclude this question segment I've had here, because I know I've been railing you here with questions, what is your outlook for this team for the rest of the year, especially with all these injuries? For the rest of the year, I mean, they're only three and four right now. Let's not forget that. Yeah. The 2012 and 2015 team started out three and six and three and five, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so, and but uh, as you probably know, both of the teams went to the playoffs. And so I think if they can get through these next two weeks and kind of get guys back and healthy, I think they have a shot of making the playoffs, but it just depends on after these next two weeks against the Seahawks and Vikings. If they if they don't get some of their players back who are injured, then I'm, I probably would not be feeling great about it. Yeah, for sure. I'm kind of the same way with you. Like I was confident a couple weeks ago because I did think this team had talent. It's just these injuries are killing us. And we have, what, we have four division leaders coming up or three division leaders in the next three weeks. And then we have to go to Dallas after that. It's just a tough schedule. You know, we have to go at Seattle against the Vikings at home and then at New Orleans right in a row like that. And then at Dallas like a week out or two weeks after that. That's just a tough schedule for any team, let alone a team with 21 players on the injury report. So it's going to be a tough road for the Redskins. I'm still fairly kind of confident, I guess, is what I would put it. I don't really know. But, uh, that, yeah, I mean, just kind of like you said, it, I'm not super confident with all these injuries. It's just painful to watch right now at this point. Yeah, and one thing that I see, like, a lot of Redskins fans saying and stuff like that is, like, they're saying, oh, it's the same old thing with the Redskins, get our hopes up, and then we just suck. It's not that this year. It's mm-hmm. literally just injuries. Yeah, I really do think this is a different year and a different team. It's just derailed by injuries at this point. That's all I can really say. I think that's all we can kind of say about this team at this point. All right, guys, yeah. that, is, that is all we have for today's episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Justin, appreciate you coming on. you have any last words you want to say here? Thank you for having me on. Follow me at Skin Scout on Instagram, at Skins underscore Scout on Twitter. Listen to our podcast. You had Steve Seifert on mm-hmm. the other week. He's on my podcast as well, Burgundy and Bold. It's on iTunes, also on my website. Uh, we'll try to get you on there a few times sometime soon, man. Awesome, awesome. How many episodes you guys recorded so far? Uh, we just finished our fifth this week. Awesome. Yeah, so everyone, please go check them out. They're doing great things over there. I would be excited to be a guest over there. But, yeah, be sure to tune in tomorrow as we break down the Seahawks matchup and cross our fingers. Hopefully no one else gets hurt, and hopefully Kirk Cousins can survive the game.